so good to be here. I am so excited to be here tonight. Um, really excited to talk about this, this curriculum, this topic. Have you not been enjoying this study on our determined purpose is just to know him? And tonight we are going to talk about Jesus as our teacher. Now, any teachers in the room? In any capacity, whether you're a current teacher, a retired teacher, substitute, homeschool teachers, you all are awesome. What a wonderful role of responsibility that you have taken on. I think that we can all say we're so appreciative of the good teachers that we have had in our lives. They have helped us to become who we are today. For this lesson, we are going to consider that God himself is our teacher, and he is the greatest teacher. So let's talk about what the word says about the Lord, our teacher. We're going to begin in Isaiah. Isaiah tells us that it is the Lord himself who is our teacher. Isaiah 48:17 says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way that you should go. Now, this word teacher here is the Hebrew word uh, lamad, and it means to instruct, to train, to prod, to goad, to cause someone to learn using a variety of methods. Now, we just learned that what the Lord teaches us to do is profit, and this word is way more than financial profiting. This is the Hebrew word ya'al, and it means to ascend to be valuable, to be useful, to be benefited. All right, so the Lord himself teaches us to ascend, to come up higher. Uh, he teaches us to be valuable, to be useful to others, and to benefit ourselves. And he does this, we read, by leading us in the way that we should go. In Psalm 32, David said the exact same thing. Verse 8, I will instruct you, and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Now, even though David said the same thing here, he actually used a different Hebrew word for teach. The word he used is yara, which means to instruct, direct, or teach, to point, shoot, aim, throw, or cast in a straight manner, to direct the flow of something. So David is saying here, God teaches us where to, how to go. He aims our lives. He, he guides us and directs the flow of our lives. And by both of these scriptures, both Isaiah and Psalms tells us that is God's will for people to be instructed in how to live by God himself. He did not delegate this to somebody else and then leave us alone to figure it out. He takes on the role of being our teacher. Now, Jesus lived this role naturally, physically, when he was here on this earth. Uh, Mark talks about this in Mark chapter 6, verse 34 says, Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. All right, so Jesus sees this multitude of people and he notes that their condition is that they are like sheep with no shepherd. Now, we learned a lot about this a few weeks ago when Kristen Peterson taught us about Jesus, our great shepherd. And she went over many 
different ways that sheep act when they're not under the care of a shepherd. I just want to recover three of them. Number one, sheep wander. If you were to put sheep in an ideal setting, perfect for them, they would eventually just meander off and they would get lost. Number two, sheep blindly follow one another. If the, if the sheep that they're following walks off of a cliff, they will follow right behind it. This has actually happened. They have absolutely no idea how to avoid trouble. And the third thing is that sheep cannot protect themselves against a predator. And they're not fast enough to run away. So if a predator comes, sheep panic. They just run around in circles until they're picked off. All right, so let's sum it all up. Sheep are directionless, defenseless, and dumb. <laughs> Some say they're the dumbest of all animals, and this is the human condition that Jesus saw when he looked at the people. All right, now I'm going to ask a very delicate question. Has anything changed? Is this not exactly what we're like when we don't have our shepherd? Mark also said that when Jesus saw this, he was moved with compassion, so he began to teach them. So their pitiful condition moved him to teach. All right, now let's look at some of the, at the impact on his teaching, and we're going to look at John chapter 7. I'm just going to read some verses here and there through this chapter. Verses 14 and 15. Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters? having never studied. So the people are marveling. Uh, they're perplexed. Who is this man? How did he get credentialed? How did he get educated? And his teaching was so amazing that despite not having the answers to these questions, many people believed in him. Now this did not sit well with the religious leaders. So if we jump to verse 32, we read, the Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him. So the Pharisees and chief priests sent officers to take Jesus. So they sent officers out to arrest Jesus. But when the officers get close enough to carry out this order, they're hearing what he's saying, and they can't follow through on the order. So they turn around, and they go back to the religious leaders without Jesus. Verse 45, the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why have you not brought Jesus? And the officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. Now think about that. These, these people had some teachers, some learned men, people who knew the law, knew how to communicate it. Yet no man had ever taught like this. Jesus brought a whole nother level of wisdom and truth and insight that they had never heard before. Now the point I'm trying to make here is not that Jesus was a wonderful teacher. The point is he is a wonderful teacher. See, all of this amazing teaching that we're talking about here is still available to anybody who wants it. And in fact, Jesus said before he left this earth that the Holy Spirit would come in his place for just this purpose, John 14. Verse 26 says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And John 16, verses 12 and 13 says, I still have many things to say to you. This is Jesus speaking, but you cannot bear them now. 
However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. All right, so just like Jesus took on the role of being our teacher when he was on this earth, the Holy Spirit's role is to lead you and I into all truth, all truth, all truth, any topic, all things. If you need truth, he's here to give it to you. Now, typically, what do we do when we need some information, when we need what we think of as truth? We go to the internet, we call a friend, we consult experts, we do some research, whatever we need to do. But our first step in all situations, all truth, is that we need to go to our teacher and just sit with him and get our answers from him, get our direction from him. We can find out there what we need to know. 1 John 2.27, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Now, I wish we had time to really unpack this scripture. But the point I want to really drive home here is that the anointing of the Holy Spirit enables you to learn. He, by his guidance, he will teach you truth in a way that no natural instruction could ever give you. All right, how does he do that? Well, we learn in a variety of ways. Teachers know this in classrooms all over the world. Teachers use various means, different ways to get their lessons across because we, they know we all learn different. And in the same way, the Lord is very creative. Now, at times, he will use other people to teach us. He gave the church teachers. But today, tonight, we're going to talk about specifically the methods that God uses to teach us directly, just you and the teacher. And I'm going to go through three of them. The first one, of course, is the Word of God. The Lord teaches us through his word. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And verse 130 says, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. All right, so the word of God is a wealth of information and wisdom. And that wisdom lights our path as we journey through life. Now, it's so amazing that it actually surpasses intellectual understanding. And it's so deep that there's levels of understanding it. See, there's a level of wisdom that every one of us can get if we just open the Bible and read the words on the page. And then there's another level altogether, knowledge that we can only get by the Holy Spirit revealing to us what the Word of God says to our hearts at a very deep level. Now, if you want the Holy Spirit to teach you this way, to reveal these things to you, the first thing you have to do is read the words on the page. See, we do what we can do. We read, we study, we even memorize, we listen, we pray over the words that we're speaking. Those are things we can do. And if we will do what we can do, he will do what we cannot do. He will reveal, he will give understanding, he will bring insight. He will make connections between 
a passage you read three weeks ago and one you're reading today. He brings it all together. You have to put the word of God in your head. If you will put God's word in your head, do you know what you're doing? You're giving him something to work with. And he will use those words, his word in you, to teach. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but there are times when you just be reading along in the word and all of a sudden, it's just some verse, some, some passage, maybe just a few words, just stick out to you. It's like God is shining a spotlight on those words. And you don't really know what it is, but you know there's something there. So when that happens, the teacher is teaching. Don't rush. Don't say, well, I got you know, a chapter and a half left to read, and I better just keep going. No, stop. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Listen. And when you do, you, you're, just, you're, you're giving him space to work. Take that word that you put in you and use it to, to teach you. Do you know sometimes I will wake up in the morning and I'm already like mid-thought. I, I think God does this with me in the morning because he's got, it's, I'm not distracted at all. Like I'm just waking up. So he grabs my attention right away. And I will wake up in the middle of a verse I remember the very first time that I remember this happening, I was in the middle of a trial and I was praying about my situation and I was doing everything that I knew to do. I found the promises about my situation, I was standing upon them, I was praying over them, I was careful about the way I thought and the way I spoke and I was doing everything that I knew to do but I wasn't seeing any change. So I asked God, where am I missing you? What is happening here? And one morning, as I was waking up, I heard four words. Having done all, stand. That's all. That's all I heard. Well, that's straight out of Ephesians 6, 13. And what God had done is he had taken a verse that I had read before, that I was familiar with, and he used it to teach me. He used it to speak to me. I spent several days thinking about four words I looked it up in other translations. I looked words up in the dictionary, even though I already knew what they meant in my mind. See, this is meditating. This is taking the words that he is focusing on and focusing on them himself. And something began to happen in me. I began to grow in the area of endurance and in faith in ways I could not have explained to you because he wasn't speaking to my head. He was speaking to my heart. This is how the Holy Spirit teaches. So put his word in your head, and the teacher will teach you. He'll use it to benefit your life. All right, let's talk about another way he teaches us, and this is through experience. Much of God's instruction is hands-on. If, if you want to learn about generosity, he will, also, he will often uh, get you to give. If you want to learn about serving, he will get you to serve. If you want to learn to love like God loves, you will find that these lessons involve lessons in patience and in forgiveness. Well, where do those lessons take place? In real life scenarios with irritating people, right? Maybe you want to have unwavering faith and you have prayed, God, help me. You're asking the teacher to increase your level of faith. Well, you're likely going to find that those lessons take place in the trenches in places where your faith muscles have to be exercised. This is hands-on teaching. David is a great example of this. We all know the story of David and Goliath 
in 1 Samuel chapter 17. David won a huge victory for his people that day when he killed that giant. But do you know the faith and courage he needed to accomplish this task? It didn't, wasn't automatic. He wasn't born with that. He had to learn. Well, where did he learn? He had to defend his sheep against a bear and a lion in the wilderness, all alone, while nobody was watching. And do you know that if God had prevented that bear and that lion from coming after David's sheep, then David never would have learned this. If you want to, uh, if da- well, let's put it back on David. If David was ever going to defend a nation when everybody was watching, he had to first defend those sheep when nobody was watching. God t- takes time to train us, and much of what we need to learn has to be learned by experience. All right, you say, I can do this. I can, I can learn by experience. How long do these lessons last? Hmm. As long as it takes, right? Our God takes our education seriously, and he is a very patient teacher. And oftentimes, do you know, we have to learn things that we need to know before we can learn the things that we want to know. Let me give you an example. A surgeon does not perform surgery on the first day of class. Who wants to be operated on a surgeon who has no experience? You have to learn a few things before they hand you a scalpel, right? Architects, engineers, musicians, artists, these are all skills that have, they, they take a process of learning. It's, it's brick upon brick. So if you've asked God questions, but you don't see answers yet, be patient. You have to trust that your teacher is teaching. All right, let's talk about one more way that God teaches us, and that is through hearing his voice. It's a very important part of being taught, is to hear the voice of our teacher. Now, this is an area that is full of insecurity and uncertainty, and not only among new believers. So let's just look, focus on this for a few minutes. If you are someone who routinely says, I don't hear from God, then you need to stop saying that. If you're saved, you heard him. See, you responded to an invitation that was spoken directly to your heart. You could not have been saved if you didn't hear the invitation. You do hear him. In fact, Jesus said that you do. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. All right, remember, we read earlier that Jesus saw that the people were like sheep without a shepherd, and his response was that he taught him. And here we're seeing that the sheep that Jesus taught did hear him. Now, we tend to overcomplicate this. So let's see if we can bring some simplicity back to this topic of hearing his voice. Jesus said here that his sheep hear his voice. Now, if you were to look up these meanings, the Greek words here that were used, you would find that the word hear can either refer to the physical act of hearing a sound or it can refer to the receiving or of the meaning of the receiving the meaning of what was said. And the word for voice here means disclosure. So it's, it's synonymous with the word revelation. So really, we could read what Jesus said here this way. My sheep receive what I disclose and reveal to them. 
See, your ears don't have anything to do with it. And in fact, hearing God does not even originate in your mind. He speaks to your heart. God has spoken to you, and you do hear him. You know, if you were to stop and just think back over your life, just really think, you would, you would remember decisions that you made, uh, maybe things that you said, actions that you took that were absolutely brilliant. They were perfect for the time. They were the right thing in the right moment. Was that an accident? Maybe you're that smart? Or did your teacher speak to your heart and you heard him, whether you knew that you did or not, and then you acted on what he told you? Now again, I'm just gonna keep saying this. The teacher is teaching. See, you learned because he spoke. You grew in understanding because he spoke. You got your breakthrough because he spoke. You made the right decision because he spoke. See, he spoke and you received it. You heard him. You were created to hear him. Now, if you want to grow in recognizing his voice, then I'm just going to give you two things to do, and we've talked about the first one already. The first thing we need to do is acknowledge that he speaks and that we were created to hear him. Just thank him for it. Now, this is probably not going to be a one and done because most of us are so uh, trained to think that we can't hear God. And we have an enemy who will keep telling us that that is true. So keep reminding yourself, keep thanking him. God, thank you that I do hear you, that you do speak to me. All right, then once you do that, the second thing you need to do is listen. Don't focus on hearing. Focus on listening. See, God sees this listening. This listening is desire. And he sees that desire and he responds to it. He makes, those, he makes sure that those who listen hear. And wouldn't you do the same thing? Do you know if you were talking to someone and, and that person, you could tell they couldn't hear you, your reaction to their not being able to hear you would depend upon the reason why they couldn't hear you. See, if, if, if you knew they could hear you, they were able to, but they just weren't paying attention. Maybe they were distracted, maybe they were disinterested. You just would quit talking because you would know that person does not value what I am saying. But if that person wanted to hear you, but they couldn't, maybe they were hard of hearing, maybe the room was too loud, what would you do? You would lean in. You would make eye contact. You would speak louder. You might use hand gestures. You might write it down so that they could read what you're saying. You would do anything that you needed to do to relay your message. Why? Because that person is listening. They value what you say. See, the teacher wants to be heard by anyone who is doing him the honor of listening. Very simply, how do we listen? Well, for one thing, when we pray, we stop doing all the talking. When you pray, just stop every once in a while. Do you have anything that you want to say? I have questions for you. Do, do you have answers for me in this moment? Listen. Now, you might leave your time of prayer not having heard anything, and that's okay. You listened. When it's time to hear, God will make sure that you do because he values 
the one who values what, his, what he is saying. Now, David was such a person. He valued what the Lord had to say. In Psalm 25, verse 4, he said, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For, on you, for you are the God of my salvation, and on you I wait all the day. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart, and this psalm illustrates why. He was willing to wait on God all day long if it meant that he could learn from him. See, we have a part to play when it comes to our, our education, our learning. It doesn't really matter how good a teacher is if a student doesn't have any desire to learn. We don't get anything out of it unless we apply ourselves. And David knew this. He was an active, eager learner. Are you? If you will ask any of the teachers who raise their hands in this room, what kind of student do you like the best to have in your class? I would well imagine that not one of them is going to say, give me the brightest. I want the smartest. I want the best. No, what teachers want is, is effort. They want the student who wants to learn. They want the one who will lean in, who has a desire to learn something. See, be that student. Apply yourself to learn. Appreciate what an honor it is to be taught by the greatest teacher ever. And I promise you, if you will lean in that way, he will respond. He will teach you, and it will bless your life. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for what a wonderful teacher that you are. But, and more than that, Lord, thank you that you're willing to teach us. You're willing to share your wisdom with us, to speak to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for using your word to bring revelation into our hearts and lives. Thank you for the many patient ways that you have uh, taught us through experience. And when we have failed to grasp the lesson, you just keep, keep with us. You just stay at it. You're so dedicated to our learning. Father, thank you for speaking to us. We realize today that you do, and we listen. We just want to take a moment and listen. Say what you want to say to us this evening. Thank you, Father. We submit to your teaching eagerly. We desire to learn from you. In Jesus' name, amen.